just being honest with you. Let's start in verse 1. And you know that our concern for you, from the way that we lived when we were with you, so you received the message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of the severe suffering that it brought to you. For wherever we go, we find people telling us of your faith in God. We, we don't even need to tell them about it. They already know. So we sent Timothy to you. He is our brother and God's co-worker and proclaiming the good news of Christ. We sent him to strengthen you, to encourage you in your faith, and to keep you from being shaken by the troubles that you were going through. But you know that we were destined for such troubles. So we have been greatly encouraged in the midst of our troubles and suffering. Dear brothers and sisters, because you remain strong in your faith. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return, it will come unexpectedly, like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them suddenly, as a pregnant woman in labor pains begins, and there will be no escape. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters. You won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes, just like a thief. Christ died. For us, so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. Brothers and sisters, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. I want to say that one more time. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong in Christ Jesus. Now that the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Now in uh, 2 Thessalonians. Dear brothers and sisters, we can't help but thank God for you because your faith is flourishing your love for one another, it's growing. Now, dear brothers and sisters, let me clarify some things about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and how we are to be gathered to meet him. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed to those who are saying that the day of the Lord has already become, already begun. Don't believe them. Now, may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times. And in every situation. First and second Thessalonians. I just kind of wanted to give you just a few scriptures in the books. It's a very small couple books there in the Bible. Paul is writing this letter to this church. Uh, he, has, he has started this church. This is a group uh, of people that from the very beginning, from the very, very, very start of hearing the gospel message, they faced incredible persecution. Uh, from, from, from every side, even, even so much, Paul says, listen, even from your own countrymen, even from your own people, your, the ones that are closest to you, they begin to get persecuted because of their faith in the gospel and the message of Jesus Christ. And so Paul is writing these letters because he, he, he's gone off, he, he's preaching the, the gospel in other parts, and he's saying, listen, I know what this church was going through, so I'm, I'm writing them the, the, this letter and the, the whole first part of 1 Thessalonians is, is really just encouraging the church because he knows, like, man, this church has been through it. 
And so he's just encouraging them and telling them, we want to make sure that you're strong in the faith, even so much that we're sending Timothy. I'm sending, sending Timothy your way so he can make sure that you're okay, that you're strong, that the persecutions and the struggles and the pains and the sorrows that you're going through haven't caused you to lose your faith. And so he gets a message back from Timothy, and Timothy tells him, man, this church is really doing well. They're doing good. Even in the midst of still facing all of this persecution, this church is doing good. And so Paul celebrates with him and says, wow, this, this, this is amazing. But there's some, there's some, uh, some questions that be, begin to come up, and we'll get to those in a second. But it's just really an encouraging book that he's telling these, these believers, no matter what it is you're going through, you know, we're here for you, we're together. But he has this, what I would kind of call a dad moment. Because, you know, he, he's sent Timothy ahead, Timothy's come back, and he kind of has this moment where Timothy says, listen, they're doing good. And it's just, and it's not even so much that, that even while we're going to these other towns to, to preach and tell Jesus, people about Jesus, we, we've got word that you've already been here, you've already told people about Jesus, and we don't even have to do it because you've done it. And so this is kind of that proud dad moment of, wow. I mean, you're seeing the fruits of your labor. Imagine Paul. He's given his life to the gospel. He's, he, he's gotten beat up and kicked out of all these towns. He, he's gone with this message of Jesus Christ. Now, this one church has really taken a hold of it, and they're spreading the gospel. They're telling people. Paul's going into towns. Well, listen, uh, this, these people from Thessalonica, they've already been here. They've already told us, and we already know and believe in Jesus. And so this is a proud moment. It's that moment where you tell your ki- you're, you're getting ready to tell your kids, go clean your room only to find out they've already done it. Wow, this is awesome. I can't, I, I know that never happens, right? And so, but it does happen. And this is what Paul's experiencing. Like, what? The, I, I, I didn't even have to do this. You're already done it. Have you had those moments where it's just like, wow, it's, it, they've already taken care of it. I, I thought I was going to have to get on to them or I thought I was going to have to do all these things to, to kind of jump in and make it right. And they've already taken care of it. You know, you come home, and, and it's just, it's a, it's a proud moment. Paul is experiencing some of the fruit. And, and, the, and the cool thing about it is where it's coming from. It's coming from a church that's facing and still facing difficult circumstances, persecution. And in the midst of their persecution, a few questions begin to arise with the church here in, in Thessalonica. And one of the big questions is, well, Christ's return. How is he going to come back? What's it going to look like? There's just kind of all these questions surrounding it. And so Paul begins to address some of these things. And he said, listen, we don't want you to be ignorant of the day of the Lord's return. When he comes, he's going to come unexpectedly. And then he kind of gives these two kind of examples. He's going to come like a thief. In the night, when everybody's saying everything's okay, he's also going to come like a woman that's getting ready to go into labor and having these labor pains. So he's saying, this is very unexpected. But yet, there's all these signs that point towards Christ's returns. Uh, And I love the example he gives that, you know, a woman in labor pains. What is it, three years ago? uh, Getting ready to be three years ago now. Me and my wife are lying in bed and we've gone to sleep for the night, and everything's good, when all of a sudden, at about 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, we hear, 
splash, and her water has broken all of a sudden. And so Devin looks at me and says, it's time. And I'm like, what? It's time for what? You know, I go into husband mode that has no clue what's going on, and I'm trying to, like, clean water off of the floor. She's like, just leave it. We got to go to the hospital. We're running out the door, and I'm, like, trying to get dressed and, and, and just have no kind of clue what's going on because it was suddenly. We had no clue that this, but at the same time, there was all of these hints that I was getting ready to happen. Hint one, big nine-month, big old belly. You know, she's getting ready. It's going to happen. You know, it, it, it's just a matter of time. And that's kind of what Paul is saying to this church. When it comes to Christ's return, we don't want you to be ignorant. There's certain signs, there's certain things that are going to show you, listen, it's getting ready to be go time. It's like that woman, she's nine months pregnant. At any moment, it could happen, but the exact time, the exact moment, it's going to come suddenly. And, and here's the thing. When it comes to Christ's return, you could turn on the TV station, you could turn on the radio, you could read all these books, and everyone has all of these ideas about when exactly Christ is going to return and, and how it's going to happen. And, and I could tell you, all of that stuff, nobody knows. No matter how convincing of an argument they tell you, no matter how many signs and things they point to you that this is how Christ is going to return, it's going to be this way. And, you know, back in the day there was a book, it was, 88 reasons why Christ will return in 1988. And then in, 80, in 1989, there was this book that said, well, 89 reasons why Christ didn't return in 89. And then there's all these things that, okay, the year 2000, the millennium changed. Christ is going to return and the world's coming to an end. Or, or 2012 and the end of the Mayan calendar and, and all these things are going to happen. And then the earth's coming to an end and Christ is returning. And this is just within a few short years of, of our, our lives and, and people trying to predict the return of Christ. When cli- right here clearly, it says it's going to be suddenly. It's going to be this moment. It's going to be like a thief in the night. It's going to be like a woman that's getting ready to go into labor pains. Yes, there's all of these signs and all of these things, but we don't want you to be ignorant because, listen, the exact time, the exact date, God knows. But there are signs that point us that way because within each of us, y'all have heard me say this before, we have in us four basic questions that need answering. With inside every, every member of humanity, whether you ha- are a person of faith or not. And those are these four questions. Questions of origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. Origin, where, where did I come from? Where did the earth come? Where did it all start? Meaning, what is the meaning of all of this? Morality, how do we live this life and destiny, where is it all heading? How is it all going to end up? These are four questions that no matter where you are, you have got to have these questions answered in your heart. If one of these questions goes unanswered, you will find yourself wobbly in any faith because it's a part of you that's just, well, I'm just not quite sure. And, and part of the questions that they have is questions as it pertains to destiny. How is it all going to end up? What is the, the summation going to look like? And here is the big misconception sometimes. For a lot of us, uh, we have been taught when it comes to destiny, when it comes to the culmination of all things, when, when Christ returns and everything is complete, that your end goal is heaven. That as a Christian, if you could just Live this life, 
hold on, make it through, whatever it is, heaven is the goal. That is not what the Bible says. And I know for a few of you, you're like, what? Wait a second. See, for this group of people, the idea of heaven being the gold would be something so completely estranged to them that no one would even think that. So much so that in the book of Thessalonians, the question that Paul then addresses, not just Christ's return, is questions in regards to, well, has he already come? Because people are telling them that, listen, Christ is returning, you've missed it. And, and he writes this letter saying, listen, he hasn't come back, you haven't missed it, it's okay, here are these things that have to take place, these are the things to look for, Christ hasn't returned yet. Now what's amazing about this is that even the people with this type of thinking that, man, Christ, may, maybe I missed it. Maybe uh, he came and, but then there's the reality of, look at their situation, that these are people that are going through persecution and suffering and pain and sorrow. And yet there's still this idea of, because all throughout, up until the last probably few hundred years, the notion and the idea was never that our goal was to get to heaven. The goal was always that heaven would come to earth. They would look and they would read. And matter of fact, if we were to turn over to Revelations 21... It says this, at the, at, at the end of all things, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people, and we will live with them and and." And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow, nor crying, nor pain, for all of these things are gone forever. And the one who's sitting on the throne says, look, I am making all things new. See, there's this picture of a new heaven and a new earth. And, and, and for, for what we've been taught is the idea of, like, this earth as we know it, it'll just kind of be burned up. It'll all be gone. We'll find ourselves up in heaven, and it'll just kind of be uh, playing harps and, and riding clouds kind of idea. And that's not what the Bible says at all. God is in the business of redemption. But it's not just redemption for me and you. It's redemption for all things. Redemption for creation itself. Creation itself cries out and groans for God's coming. A new heaven and a new earth. Now this word new here is the exact same word new as what it refers to our salvation. And so the the concept is that of one of baptism. When you are baptized, you are going down and you come up a new creation in Christ. You are absolutely new in him. The old is gone. The old has passed away. And now you are a new creation in Christ. It's the same thing for our earth. And the same thing for all of life, all redemption in all things, that he is making all things new. It goes on in Revelations to say this, and there was this, this, um, this clear, clear crystal river flowing from the, the throne of God. And it flowed down the center of the street. And on each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit. And the, the, the fresh crop each for one month 
the leaves were used as medicine for the healing of the nations. For the healing of the nations. It's talking about the culmination of all things. When everything is being wrapped up, there's still healing that's taking place. There's still things that are being made new. And why, why is this important? Because it affects our concept and our ideas of destiny and how things are going to end. It affects how we live now. Because what's happening in this church is because the, if the idea of, well, if we're just going to try to get to heaven and that be the end of it, well, Jesus is coming back. Why do anything at all? Why work? Why tell people about the gospel? Why worry about building my house? Why do all these things? Because, all, because Jesus is going to return. As a matter of fact, y'all probably know some people that have kind of lived and talked that kind of language where, oh, well, we don't need to save for the future and we don't need to do these things because Christ is going to return. And No, no, no. He, and Paul's writing this letter saying, listen, he hasn't returned yet. Every tear hasn't been wiped away. It's still in the process. Christ is still coming back. The ultimate end of it is not that we could just destroy this planet and destroy things and that we'll end up in heaven. No, that on earth as it is in heaven. See, Jesus prays this prayer and, and see, we're, we're always trying to like just kind of leave and Jesus is like, no, I'm trying to get to you. I stepped out of heaven and into humanity, hence the cross, and trying to do everything to, to pull it back and make it how it was meant to be, Genesis 1, where everything was perfect. And I know I'm kind of blowing a few minds right now, and you're kind of, I don't know how to, to think about that. I don't know what I feel about that. And that's okay. I would encourage you to study it. I would you to encourage you to go home and, and take a look at, look at these two books, look at the book of Revelations, and look at the teachings of Jesus, look at the language throughout the, the Old Testament that continues, that God had this promise that kept coming up, that, listen, I would be their God, they would be my people, I would live and dwell among them. See, I, I don't know about you, but I believe 100% of my heart that God wants to make his home with us. On earth as it is in heaven, and heaven as it is on earth. I mean, it's just this beautiful picture. But the problem with that is we look, and life is full of pain. It's full of persecution. And maybe for some of us in our, the, this room right now, we feel a lack of hope. We feel like, man, Lucas, you're telling me this, and honestly, this isn't very good news because... I would really just like to escape this place and kind of get to heaven. The idea of let's just kind of get there because right now what I'm going through, this isn't working out. You, you have no clue what the doctor's reports have said. You have no idea what I'm going through, the persecution that I'm facing. You don't know what my family's been through. Maybe we've had the loss of a child. You don't know that I'm in the, in the middle of a divorce and... Things are just ugly. And, and, and so the idea, or it, creation itself, this planet, man, and sometimes all we do is we see the ugliness of it. And we see the clouds and the storms and the fogs. And sometimes the fog gets so thick that we can't see through it. And I want to show a video now, and a little bit just of seeing through the fog. 
If we could turn the lights, these two lights off. I love being a pastor. You get to walk with people in the best of times and the worst of times. And over the years, I have dealt with all sorts of people in all sorts of circumstances. And my joy has been to give them a sense of hope. Every Christmas, we would do what was called Festival of Lights. For me, Christmas was really the most exciting time of the year. It was family and friends and gifts and trees and mangers. But most of all, Christmas was about hope, joy, and peace. It was uplifting and exciting. But that was the Christmas I learned I was dying. I thought this will be my last Christmas. I didn't want to show up at the festival. I didn't want to see people, be around people, asking me how I was doing. I didn't want to go. I wanted to sit home alone. My wife said, you need to go. People need to hear what you have to say. ALS, or Lou Gehrig's disease, is a degenerative disease, which means it gets worse and worse. Eventually, it affects swallowing, chewing, breathing, and when the lungs go, you end up dying. They don't know what causes it, and there's no cure. Basically, they said, you have two to five years to live. My wife has become the hands in my life when my hands don't work right. I wanted to see my daughter get married, walk her down the aisle, wanted to watch my grandkids grow up.
I've been around people with feeding tubes and ventilators. And whenever I see someone like that, I'm seeing a reflection of my own future. When you're told you're dying and the process of dying is awful, there's not much hope in that. I didn't want to show up at the festival. And my wife said, you have to go. So I got in my truck. I was driving, and my phone rang, and it was Billy. Billy has more stuff wrong with him than most people I have ever met. For over 20 years, he was addicted to heroin, He's HIV positive. He has hepatitis B. He's been through cancer, but he's still alive. We talked, and I was telling him all that was going on. And he has kind of a high-pitched New York accent. He said, hey, you need to be a Yogi Berra Christian. And I'm thinking, what? I had no clue. No clue what he was talking about. He's a tad off the wall, to say the least. <laughs> so I asked him, what do you mean? He said, it ain't over till it's over. Billy has the worst of the worst. His wife died in his arms. His son he has never found to this day. And in spite of all of that, he's hopeful. Every human being knows they're going to die. The difference is I feel it with every twitch in my muscles. I feel it in the depths of my being. And I realized that I was really dying because I had given up. I had considered my life as over, but it wasn't. 
the doctors gave me two to five years. That was over 10 years ago. If I'd given up and laid down to die, I would have missed walking my daughter down the aisle. I would have missed the birth of all five grandchildren. I would say Billy's phone call was God speaking to me with a New York accent. Billy, of all people, should have considered his life over. And he was saying, it ain't over till it's over. (laughs) And I realized there is profound truth in that. I can't do the New York accent. I can't. I didn't expect another Christmas. And now I've had ten. And the more I have, the more I want. I have my life to share, my own story to share. One day it will be over. But it's not about how long I have left. It's about how I spend the time I do have. It ain't over till it's over. See, it's not just the idea of this glorious future, but there's the reality of a glorious present. No matter what you're going through, no matter if, like this man, in the midst of pain and suffering, it ain't over till it's over. God is at work, and he is in this business of redeeming all things. And even when it seems like, man, all I want to do is just kind of escape and kind of just, man, if I could just get to heaven, if we could just be done with all of this, that day hasn't come yet. But... There's a glorious present. There's a glorious now. There's, there's a moment at which we could change, and, and our destiny is about, wow, God, it's what you're doing in me right now. And, and we read the scriptures, and we look at, at men like Paul and stuff that, that could be persecuted and beaten and, and, and thrown in prison and yet still be praising God and yet still find hope in the midst of being left for dead. It's that praise God, thank God. Because there is a glorious now, even in the midst of what you're going through. Let's pray. Lord, for the person in here this morning that just feels like hope is so far away. Who feels kind of like this church in Thessalonica that, man, they've just been going through it for so long. From the very beginning, and even their own countrymen, it seems like, even their own family, it seems like, is kind of turning on them in some ways, and and different things, and jobs, and doctor's reports, and bills, and finances, and marriage, and just whatever it is, or that just feels like it's crumbling to pieces, Lord, we just put our attention on you. And 
we know it's not over until it's over. As long as there's still breath in these lungs, Lord, there's still hope. Hope in today. Maybe there's some people in this room that need healing in their bodies. And they've been praying and praying and it just kind of feels like it's getting nowhere. Like, God, I'm still sick. And you, and you don't understand why and don't give up hope. There's no easy answers. There's no quick fix. But there is a God who loves you. And heaven so bad wants to invade earth. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org.